If you weren't here last week, last Sunday, you missed, you missed a Holy Ghost revival. You really did. It was so powerful that when the same people that were at the altar didn't show up on Wednesday, I rebuked the entire church. <laughs> the, whole, the whole Bible study was just a rebuke. And these are the people that showed up. Imagine. <laughs> because at some point, when you feel a move of God, I should see your priorities change. Because snotting and crying at the altar, telling me that you felt God and you feel changed, but it has not shown up in your priorities, does not make any sense. And before you get all in a tuffle, all right, because I don't even know what that means, but it sounds great. <laughs> I know you're going to tell me, well, I had to work. Priorities. But I have family in town. Priorities. Let me, let me, let me, do you know how much family stuff I miss? It's so bad that most of my family just decided to come to church. <laughs> if you're going to see her, you better be at church. It's already understood. Wednesdays, Sundays, I'm at church. You want to plan something for me to come? Don't plan it on a Wednesday or Sunday. Or Saturday, but I'll make some allowances, right? But that's a given. Hello? And I said that as a priority. Yes and amen? amen? Right. So if it's so important for you that I am there, then don't plan it on a Wednesday or Sunday. If not, then I have to be in the house of the Lord. Now, this is the funny thing, because I'm going to add this rebuke in case you guys were not here and you had the audacity to be snotting and crying at this altar on, on last Sunday. Uh... The funny thing is, y'all believe that I'm supposed to be here every week. I mean, people in general believe that the pastor should at least be there all, all every week. Not, you know, we know vacation, sabbatical, whatever. But for the most part, she should be there or he should be there every week. You understand that she or he will miss certain activities in life, certain fun things, certain family things. And, even when I'm sick, I still have to be here, which is why I tell people, if you got a cold, stay away from me because I cannot call off. I have to preach with a snotty nose because y'all be like, preach anyway, pastor. <laughs> Open your Bible. <laughs> that wasn't my point. My point is everybody in this house believes that the pastor is supposed to be here just about every time them doors open. If I'm supposed to be here every time the doors open and you're not, then who am I pastoring? If I'm so, you expect me to be here every week, but you think it's optional for you to be here every week, then who am I pastoring? Or you think because it's more people besides you that it's okay? That's good, Pastor. You got two days, Sunday and Wednesday. That's it. That's all you got. Hello? Now, if you were to tell me, Pastor, I don't need midweek service because there's enough word on Sunday that carries me all the way through for seven days. And I really feel full and, and refreshed all week long. And I don't really tip down. I don't dabble into the sin. And I don't get tempted. And I don't get discouraged from Sunday to Sunday. Then you might be the exception. Is it wrong that I'm placing this demand on members? No, it is not. Somebody need to tell you. New Testament church met every day. Oh, oh, this is the way my life schedule. I got a children and the work and jibby, 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 jibby. 
do like them old people do. Feed the kids, Getty put it in a Ziploc, bring them on to church. <laughs> now the truth is you like to be comfortable more than you like spiritual growth. You like people to like you. Hello? More than you really are prioritizing spiritual growth. Huh? Hello? You like to, to sit in your emotions, you know. I'm too sad. It's been a rough day. I'm frustrated. More than you make spiritual growth a priority. Where do you think you're going to grow spiritually at? Because just experiencing life and God without any direction, which is what a shepherd is supposed to do, will have you all kinds of confused. You be missing. I know because y'all be misinterpreting stuff, Pastor. Because the Lord gave me this sign and it said challenge, and I was like, you know what? That's exact. So now you out here trying to get signs from buses and stuff when you could get an actually an actual word of God catered to you. That's dumb. I don't even know why I'm over there. But if this is your house and this is where you get fed, you have a responsibility to be here on two service days, Sunday and midweek service. This church, before some of y'all got here, was always 80-20. I mean, 80% of the church was showing up and 20% was in and out, in and out, in and out. Now we over here like average churches. My Wednesday nights is sparse. What the, what, what? And I know your lives. You need Wednesday service. <laughs> Your crazy self. They want to have the audacity to call me. That's what they do, okay? Then they're going to call me, Miss Regina. Like, oh, Pastor, can you pray with me? I just feel the Lord is really them and the Satan and them and them and them. I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining. This is not what I'm here to do today, all right? I was supposed to do a review from last week. Reformation through worship. Hello, somebody. Yeah, where you worship the Lord with your body, with your body, because of the Holy Spirit within us, uh, due to the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, now his spirit resides in us. So now the physical things that we do are counted as spiritual worship. So now when you come to church, people say, it ain't about the church. When you take your physical body, and you tell your physical body, don't sit on that couch, get up, go to church. That is counted as a form of spiritual worship. Amen. Amen, Amongst every other thing that you do. All right. They were supposed to serve the Lord with our bodies and count it as a reasonable service. The Bible said on last week that the sacrifices that we supposed to sacrifice unto the Lord with our bodies. And that does not mean, as we discussed last week, that just because you don't sin, that's your sacrifice. Look, I didn't do it. Here go my sacrifice. I could have drunk that, but I didn't drink it. Here's my sacrifice. That's not what that means. What he was referencing is your entire life, including your physical body, is now offered unto the Lord 24-7, not just when you have a desire that is different than his. Amen. That's in proper context that Paul was teaching on martyrdom and giving their bodies as a living sacrifice and not backing up when they were at the threat of death. And here you are backing up at the threat of no sleep. I seen you stay awake for some mess you ain't had no business staying awake for. But the Lord wouldn't want you to do that for his kingdom. 
it's about balance. Okay, balance means equal, medium, not hot, not cold. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice and nice and warm. You keep trying that, see how far that goes. Because at the end of the day, you start serving a God that you made up in your head. And not the jealous one that shows up in this word. You make him into whatever you think is reasonable, he thinks is reasonable. And it don't be that way. Right to my, my God, baby, hey, baby. Amen. So today, I think that's a sufficient review. Yeah. Coming off the heels of the story of Jacob and Esau. Or Jacob and Esau, Esau sold his birthright as firstborn that had privileges. The firstborn meant that you carried on the covenant of God, that you were the one that was set apart and sanctified in God's sovereignty to be born first, to take everything that is his will and to perform it. That was the firstborn. You take the will of God like your dad was doing, and now you carry the will of God through the family. That was the point of the firstborn, right? Esau despised his birthright, as we talked about last week. And really, how did he despise it? Well, he offered his birthright for a pot of stew that his brother G Jacob had prepared. Well, that doesn't mean he despised it, but it does. Because anytime you feel like the will of God is a conflict to your will, then you are despising your position as a Christian. Why do, it's, you know how you have those sins and you're mad that you can't seem to stop, but you're also mad that you always feel bad. Like, I wish I didn't have the conflict of feeling bad and not doing it. Some of y'all try to drown out God so you won't feel bad. That's selling your birthright. Because the idea here is that you despise that you were called to be the ones that carry out the will of God. Because doing that is messing with your pleasure. Why well, I had to be born in a Christian family. So then you start coming up with all these ideas about how God ain't real. Because people in other religions, oh, that ain't nothing but you feel like you were placed here systematically rather than being placed here divinely. You consider a blessing to be born in a Christian household a curse rather than the sovereignty of God. Because other people, they don't believe in God. The Muslims, they was raised in a different household. Oh, so now you're despising the blessing that God put you in a Christian nation, in a Christian household, with Christian God-fearing godparents, and now it's, oh, that's just a mindset. You were blessed to have that when everybody else is searching for it. And you're doing a bad job of searching because your research on other religions is so poorly done. Because if you ever took time to research other religions in comparison to Christianity, you will find that your faith supersedes all of them, including their spiritual text. Amen. But you're so lazy. Because it ain't about which religion is correct. It's about the desires of your heart. And it is evident. Because if you were in a plane and the stewardess came out and told you this plane about to go down. At a certain altitude, we don't know which one. The plane is about to crash. And they start passing out parachutes, right? And you on the plane, you know it's going to crash. Everybody else put their parachute on. You looking at it going, I ain't putting this parachute on. That's stupid. How we know it's going to crash? Could it be that the people that have been in the plane for the longest time can tell you that this is not good and this thing is going down? 
put your parachute on. Then you put it on, but you don't like it because it's so tight. It's so restricting. I mean, God, I can't have no fun. I'm so young. Well, ain't that right, Kayla? I can't seem to do whatever it is I want to do. It just prohibits me all the time. I don't like wearing this Christian parachute. I'm going to take mine off and relax because if I die, I just die. At least I die comfortable. You are an idiot. So foolish is that thought that you exchange a temporary moment of comfort for, for death and eternity of hell, that you don't deserve the kingdom of God because you have no understanding of its value. So we're not sad. We're happy because the word of God says you're going to be sifted out. I'm going to show it to you because y'all don't know the other side of the scriptures. You only know the one that Jesus be like, come to me. Come to me. No, it's okay that you just keep sinning. Come to me. Come to me. <laughs> I don't know what is. Uh, may the Lord bless y'all. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I want you to see. I had an interesting account encounter on a Saturday. Wednesday. Wednesday, I came to church and shared a story how Roman had escaped, and it made my day very, 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 very bad. Had a very bad day because Roman escaped and had to chase him through the woods. Um, Saturday, he, he escaped again. Oh, no, no. Roman is my dog. I'm sorry. He's my dog. He's an American pit. He's handsome. He's sweet. Except for that day on Saturday. On yesterday afternoon, I came home excited. I was going to work on some arts and craft projects with Taylor. I kept putting off, and I was going to work on the message. So I had a tight, tight time restraint. Taylor says, let me take Bishop out. She takes Bishop out. Roman also thinks it's his time, and it was not his time to go out. He goes out. You can't deny him to go potty in the potty area, so you let him. And before you know it, I could hear Taylor saying, no, Roman, no, no. I was like, let me get my stuff. No, Roman, pastor. <laughs> Roman has now escaped the pen and has run through the woods. It's about two acres of woods in behind my house, okay? He is now dodging through the woods, and I got his collar this time, right? And I grabbed it, and I jetted out. It's raining. I had just got my hair done. So I grabbed this wool blanket that was outside, and I grab it to kind of protect my hair, hoping I could stop him, but he doesn't stop. Oh, he keeps running. And the more I chase him, the more he runs. I'm like, Roman, Roman, Roman. He's like, it's like the more I chase, Roman, Roman. He's just going, going, Roman. I mean, not Roman. And I am just yelling at the top of my lungs because an American pit on the loose, everybody is not going to think he's loving. They're not going to consider how sweet he is or how afraid he might be. Out of their fear, they might respond. Out of, you know, was it greed? They might kidnap him because he's a very expensive dog. Some car might hit him. Last time I caught him, we were in a whole other subdivision. I didn't even know where we was at. So I'm running. And now, oh, he runs up over the creek. The creek almost fell in Wednesday. Over that creek behind the house. I didn't fall in this time. 
Okay, but then he decided to go up and then go back over the same creek at another location and then go over the exact same creek again. So we had to cross the creek three times. Each time I'm thinking, it is cold, it is muddy. I'm exhausted, winded. At some point I decide, you know what, Roman, Roman, and I'm just running, call, Roman, and I'm like, you want a treat? Come here, Roman, you want a treat? Like maybe if I be nice, you know? If I just act, tell him I bless him with a treat. Y'all don't want to help me today. If I just show him I got blessings for you, not just to harm you, but, but to do you good. Roman, come here, baby. Come on. I got a treat. He look at me. Nah, and takes off running again. God. Now I'm exhausted. I'm sitting here in the wood, don't know where I'm at. It's a clearing with a big old stone on it. I sit on that stone, and he's over there down the way sniffing. And I know if I call him, he's going to run again. So I just sit here hoping he'd want to come and sit with me. It's a clearing. Maybe you just want to play a little bit. We could play together. I'm good company. Come over here with me. Come on, Roman. Come on, you want to play? You want to explore? Come with me. I'll take you to walk, play, and explore. What your nature is, I can satisfy that. Come with me. Y'all don't want to help me preach this message today. He don't bite it. He takes off running. He runs some more and some more. I mean, there's trees and leaves, and you, it's the woods in the fall, okay? Branches are down, trees are down, and there's these thorny vines, okay? They blend in with the foliage. You don't know it until you go through them, and they are ripping your skin. Literally, thorns are in my hair, pulling the, the wool off of me, scratching my leg. I done fell over a tree, twisted my ankle. There are foxholes. You do the flip-flip on your ankle. <sighs> Roman! At one point, I'm like, just go. Just go. I'll find you in the subdivision somewhere. And then he goes so far, I can't see him. I'm like, uh-uh. I can't. I got to chase him. First, I was like, go. I'll catch up on the other side. But when I couldn't see him anymore, something broke in my heart. I was like, oh, no. No matter how rebellious he is right now, I know he doesn't understand exactly what kind of dangers really await him. So my heart is broken because he's gone so far. And I want to sit down and not chase him. But here I go running again. Here I go running again. Like a fool in love. If you know me and Roman, I love this dog. I got a Yorkie named Bishop. He's a senior citizen now. I got bishop in my 20s when I was independent, you know, out in the streets. So he's independent. He's like, what's up? How you doing? And he go do his own thing by himself. I got Roman after my mom passed. He is on my hip, in my face all the time. I don't have to go nowhere in the house without him. You go into the bathroom, I'm going to go with you. And he will get up in the middle of his sleep and walk with me to the bathroom. I love him. And I can't understand how my anger is not enough to get him to come back. But he thinks I'm trying to keep him from something that he really wants. 
Huh? He thinks I don't understand what he's really trying to do. So he has to do it on his own. He doesn't understand that I love him enough that if you want to go for a walk, baby, we can go for a walk. But I need you to go with me. <laughs> well, I'm pressing through these thorns. And it's a lot of them. They're like vines. They wrap around your leg and they rip your skin. And I had pants on, but them little Lululemon tights weren't enough. And, they were just and yet again, I had on another pair of slippers. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's mud caked everywhere. My socks are drenching wet. I'm cold. The wool has me hot, so now my hair is wet on top and drenched in the back. And I am miserable and in pain. As I'm pushing through a briar patch, because the last time he jumped over a creek, it was no clearing. On the other side of the creek, it's just briar patch and trees. No place safely to land your foot. I know if I jump over, I'm going to have to walk through all of that. And I'm looking at it going. <sighs> but now he's so close to the end of the subdivision that anybody could see him. Anybody could get him. And I have to make a decision to go through the doggone briar patch, the same little bit of briars that's been snagging me all this time, and it's just full. I mean, there's, there's no clearing. I'm literally going to have to climb over a tree, and it's just foliage and vines, and I jump over. And at this point, I'm practically in tears because I'm pushing through these vines, and they're just whoosh, whoosh. And I look at Roman, he starts turning and coming back. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit is talking to me, which is why I'm giving you the story now. <laughs> and I'm like, thank God. Taylor, who I said on my way out, grab his leash. I don't know what she brought. She came with armful of random items, a fan, a Velcro strap, two bags of treats. I, she just, I'm coming. And I see her coming up. And I said, Taylor, why you get here? She said, oh, I'm here. I said, but I don't think I got the right stuff. And I look at her hands like, you don't have anything that I need. <laughs> I said, go to the back door. The leash is at the back door. She thought I said basement. So now she went to the basement and got a ham. But she's got tree limbs in her hair. She's out of breath. She's like, Pastor, I'm sorry. I don't think I got the right thing. And I want to be like, how did you not get the right thing? But I was like, oh, baby. I'm looking at her all tired and scared. She said, I called Shamar. I said, why'd you call Shamar? He got to get off work. He need to work. I was like, that's not right. Thank you, baby. You did the right thing. But in my mind, I'm like, just me on my own trying to salvage my life. I get Roman, I put his collar on. We make it to our subdivision. We see Shamar, like a knight in shining Vespa armor. <laughs> <laughs> he scoots on right past us. I'm like, Shamar, there he go. There go my baby coming to rescue us. <laughs> Taylor was like, there he go. I'm like, oh. And we can't get to the house fast enough before he realizes we're not at the house and then leaves the house and proceeds to go look for us. We're like, oh, my God. So in the process, I get, I get Roman. Now we're sitting there. And I'm angry and I'm hurt. 
I'm frustrated because, you know, Saturdays are important times of prayer and reflection. I had a terrible brunch. The food was nasty. Couldn't eat. Had a terrible, wouldn't have an appetite all day. Just, it was just a messy Saturday. In the midst of all this, I decided to take a picture so you guys could see <laughs> how we looked when we found Roman. You want to see? You want to see? When I realized I had this thing on my head, I said, I look like I'm in the doggone Hamas, okay? <laughs> I got on these sandals, here go Roman. I got my trusty disciple with me, Taylor. Now let me tell you why she's a trusted disciple, because you need to hear this. When I had stopped calling his name because he kept running, she didn't know where I was. And so she said, Pastor, I almost turned around and went back, because I couldn't see you, I didn't know where y'all were. She said, but then I heard your, heard your voice. And she said, I can go if I hear her voice. She said, Pastor, I would have stopped until I heard your voice. But because I heard your voice, I just kept going and kept going and kept going and followed your voice. I was like, baby, that a preach if you let it. That's my trusted disciple right by my side. We both mad. Look at Roman. Don't even, don't even look mad, do we? He's smiling. He is like, whew, this was fun. <laughs> so I recognize at this moment that I am a shepherd. <laughs> Hands down, I'm a shepherd. Forget what you heard. I will go through rivers, waters, thorns. I'm going to find my lost sheep if even it kills me. I'm a doggone shepherd. The reason you guys are excited is because you are that sheep. You have been my Roman. You have run when I called you. Come on now. You thought I meant you harm. You thought I was going to judge you. You thought I was against you. You thought you was going to get in trouble. You thought everything was, and the whole time, I just want you near. Because you can't see the dangers that I know await you on the other side. I try to bless you. Try to be friends. You want dinner? You want to hang out? You want coffee? Let's talk about your problems. Here's a counseling session. Whatever blessing you need is what I try to offer by the Spirit of the Lord. Then correction and reproof. Come here! Taylor, what are you doing with your life? No matter how much pressure, sometimes you just keep running. And my heart aches because I know that this is your nature. And if you could, you would stop, but you can't. And if the Lord does not move and get you to turn around, you're gone. There's nothing I can do once you're outside of my reach. It has to be something only God could do to turn you around. And you don't even recognize there are times, one time he got caught in the woods in the spring and couldn't get out. Literally got stuck and could not find his way out. I had to go get him and move trees and limbs and drag his butt out. 
You don't even know that you can get stuck in some of this. Thinking you're going you to make up your mind and that you've lost your mind. Thinking you know how to get back to the church, but you don't know the way back to the church. You don't recognize that. Why? Because you're a child. You're immature. Immature of the things of the spirit. This is who I am spiritually, apparently. And I caught it on tape. <laughs> and I said, if this ain't my doggone babies. When I sat on that stone, I knew. He's like, now look. I said, why I got to hurt? Why can't you just let me run and chase him without the pain? Why do I have to feel the pain while I'm chasing you down? See, you think you're running, and, and I'm just over here in la-la land. Like, oh, don't do it. I am suffering trying to get you to stop running. Jesus. I exhaust hours upon hours or hours in Jesus' name, praying and studying, developing sermons and workshops and how to help you be free from gayness and how to help you with this and how to help you with your money. Anything I can, I pour into it, chasing you, yeah. trying to offer you the blessings of God. And you just keep running. And this is just the physical. We're not talking about the amount of demons that are consistently on my heels. Yeah, yeah. Pulling on me, tugging on my flesh. When I got in my room, we took the picture, we laughed, we chuckled, me, Shamar, Taylor. Whole house was a wreck. Taylor threw everything around trying to find stuff. He said, it looked like we'd been robbed because <laughs> we just left everything. Doors open, we was gone. I'm on the floor mad at Roman. Taylor decides to take him down to the crate for me because he needed to be punished. And I make my way upstairs. I get in the shower and I cry. And I cry some more. And I sit on my ottoman in my closet and I curl up in a little ball and I cry some more. Have you ever felt the time when it seemed like everything you were trying to keep together fell apart? right in front of you. I don't know if you know this, but my plate is very full and it is a very delicate balancing act. And one little thing in this holiday season without my mom tips everything over. And I am sad, hurt, mad. I don't like my life. I don't like the fact that I have to do all of this by myself except for the Lord. I love you. Thank you but there's nobody physically with me. And that those that are there physically don't know what to do. I just cry. I cry that kind of cry that I'm like, Lord, if you don't remove this pain, it ain't gonna go nowhere. I can't lift it. And a part of me, I'm not even sure why, if I wanna lift it. I'm so hurt and tired because if I lift it, I know that I'm going to be doing the same thing I just got done doing, chasing sheep. At this point, I want to be so angry that I could just change my whole life in a different direction. And I know that's not healthy because I know what I'm called to do. And so then I say, God, help me because I don't want to feel better. And I know I need to feel better. 
And so I just lay in my closet curled up in a ball. And at some point, the tears stopped rolling. I feel the Holy Spirit say, just get up, get dressed. I got up, got dressed, and proceeded with the rest of the day. Satan attacks, and if you've ever known me personally, those that do, how many attacks do I get as a pastor on a consistent basis? And it's because I am chasing you by the spirit of the Lord. It's because shepherds want sheep safe. And we know the dangers that you can't see. And it's exhausting. As I laid there, I had whelps and bruises. Even now, I took a shower this morning, it just stung. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I said, Lord, if you want me to chase them, why it gotta hurt? If I'm gonna do something nice, let it be easy. <laughs> but that's, the, that's not the world we live in. Because love has to be proved. I don't share my stories of pain and hurt for sympathy. I share them because you need to know that you are loved even when you do wrong, even when you feel wrong, that you're still loved. How do you know? Not just because I say the words I love you, but I bear your burdens with you. So you know it. Because there ain't no reason why somebody would go through all of this if they didn't love you. Amen. And I'm not talking to a mass church. I'm talking to the individuals that make up this local church. Because each individual has had an experience when I chased you specifically. Amen. Some of y'all, too many times. <laughs> So today I want to look at, <laughs> it's going to be brief-ish, Reformation. And I said, Lord, what are we going to use next week? Because last week was so powerful. What could top last week? Give your life to Jesus. And he said, the anointing. He said, they need an anointing. You're going to give your life over, die to yourself, say, I'm going to live for God. He's my top priority, which is what we were preaching on yesterday. And I don't mean he's an addition to your life. I mean, everything about your life starts and ends with him. What you eat, where you go, what you wear, who you hang out with, what you say out of your mouth, what you watch on TV, it starts and ends with him. And there's no part of your life that is separate from him. None. None of your little sexual thoughts, they're not separate from him. Your desires, not separate from him. In fact, the pleasure of those things, he created and wanted it to be with him, not in that way, but not separate like some dirty little thing that you do or think. It's Satan that has distanced you in that pleasure because he's using the pleasure as a ploy to kill you. And so now you hide it from God. How are you going to take the toy I bought and hide it from me, Roman, when I designed it for you and I to play together, 
to enjoy it together. We got kids in the room, so I'm going to say, taste buds are given to you for a reason. Because you could eat and something be nasty, but you need it to survive. But look at what he does. He makes the things that you need to survive pleasant. That is a good God. Because a tormenting God would make the things that you need to, to survive painful and watch you be tormented as you try to live. But he makes it pleasurable. So truly, who's the enemy? The one who made the pleasurable thing or the one that tells you to hide the pleasurable thing and make it shameful? Now the thing that God made with pleasure, you got to do it in the midst of pain because you know it's wrong. Your real enemy is not the father. You are cuddled up with him in all of your lustful thoughts. And you don't even know it. In my office, wherever it might be, <coughs> here, there, anywhere, I have to keep telling people you're on the wrong side. Yeah. Oh, I knew, I, I knew when you found this pastor, I was going to get in trouble. You're on the wrong side. Who you going to get in trouble with? With you. That's what you think I'm here to do? Most of y'all is adults. I don't like telling adults what to do. It's frustrating. So if you think you're getting in trouble with me, then that means we're opposing one another. Because what my real job is, is you're supposed to be beside me. Come over here. Come, come here. You're supposed to be beside me. And we're talking, we're saying, see, what you can't do is you can't do this, that over there. You got to do it like this. You see what I'm saying? Because if you do it like this, then it goes like that. You see what I'm saying? So in the future, we just do it like this. Don't do the other thing. If you have a problem, let me know. That's how I try to counsel you. But you'd be like, I didn't really do it. Stand in front of me. I didn't really do it like that. I, I ain't even, I didn't even, you don't even understand. You don't even understand. That wasn't even what I was trying to do. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm trying to find a solution. Come over here. Stop running from me. I have been, thank you, thank you, baby. For the members of this house, I have been called by God to shepherd your soul. Amen. I am not a motivational speaker. I was an evangelist. It was great. I loved it. City to city preaching. Oh my God, the evangelist, oh, she's so powerful. Laying people out at the altars. Oh my God, oh, it's a powerful move. Yeah, you know, praise the Lord, you know. Oh, it's the Lord, amen. And I would preach and preach and preach and go to the next church, preach, and I had nothing to worry about. Now I'm a shepherd. Totally different story. Preach and work, 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 work. Preach again, work, 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 work. Preach, same people, <clears throat> same faces. No new faces. These people, they don't even applaud like the other people, you know. New churches, I'm like, hallelujah. My people are like, she coming for me again. What? Because no. one of my visiting preachers, they'll be like, oh, I knew that was for me. Hallelujah, because she ain't even know. I'm like, I didn't even know. You still don't say hallelujah. I had no idea. You don't be like, thank you, Jesus. You'd be like, oh, she came for me. Why are we opposing one another and not working towards you growing in Christ, which is what my job is. I disciple disciples, not haters. 
You choose to be discipled by me. I'm not your babysitter. I chased you a couple times, and you can ask people after that, but like, all right. You're working against me, not with me. And you have to be discipled. I'm a shepherd. I've been called by the Spirit of the Lord, divinely appointed, before I knew it, before you knew it, before any of us were born, by God to help deliver you out of anything you might be enslaved to. Whatever your life story has been, the Father in his infinite wisdom and power has anointed me, which is what we're going to talk about today, to assist in delivering you from every snare of the enemy. Like that's my job, to have anointing to assist God physically in the work of delivering you from things spiritually. Like that's what I'm called to do. And you want to oppose me with your silly self? Or you had a better idea? I want to ask you, well, what do you think we should do? I don't know. Do you really understand what's on the line? You think you understand forever. You don't understand forever. You don't understand eternity. You think your ignorance of not understanding how hell could be real is going to save you from hell? It's not. And your misjudgment of a righteous God ain't going to do you no good in hell. I don't think God should send people to hell that nobody cares what you think as you burn. Who do you think you are? You've misjudged a righteous God poorly, and you think that anybody cares about your opinion when all of your opinion is based off of your self-lust and desires. We're not listening to you because you're selfish. You, you want to tell us something about God. Because God, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> Please, tell us, the real saints, about what God is like with your selfish self. Because everything you do is to benefit you. How do I know? Because you're still sinning. And even though sinning causes the body of Christ problems, you've never stopped. Because you got to get what you want because you just think and you just feel. Hello, I'm here. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm after somebody today. Is it me? Yep. <laughs> you have to meet? Yep. I don't care how churchy you look. What I discern is from the spirit, not from your appearance. Hello? Mm-hmm. Cleaned up people got dirt too. And if you're honest, you are begging to be delivered. You're sitting here going, please help. Get me out of here. Because that's a real believer. The fake ones are, are saying, please move on. Leave me alone. I'm uncomfortable. Go to another point. You're not a believer, baby. You need to stop calling yourself a Christian and just say, I'm practicing Christianity. I'm considering it. Because you're giving us a bad name. The Bible makes it plain, those that practice sin cannot say they know the Father. Right. If they practice sin and they say they know the fire, they are a liar. I mean, they say they know the Father, they are a liar. What's practicing? Do you prepare to sin? Do you make the phone call? Do you come up with a lie? 
Hello? Do you shave your legs? Do you do like 15 push-ups right before? I'm about to look buff when I go in there today. Right? You're practicing the sin. You're coming up with a lie, the scheme, how to hide it, how to cover it up. I mean, I've literally watched you come up with cover stories. You are a practicer of sin. You cannot know the Father when you practice sin. The two things don't go together. Why? Because anybody that really knows the Father does not practice sin. It ain't even on our radar. We're trying to figure out how not to do anything accidentally sinful, not how to actually come up with can I, should I, what if they do this. Ain't nobody got time for that. You got time to think about sinning? You is not saved. Because real Christians, they even think of sinning. Oh, Lord, get that out of my mind. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Not you. Ooh. Maybe. I know I shouldn't, but maybe. Well, maybe if I just only do this much. See? See? If I only do this much, that's a practice of sin. There's something you don't really know about God. Truly, you don't really believe it. Because if you did, nobody would. If you knew that the doggone master was chasing you to do you good, you wouldn't keep running to go find it on your own. If you knew the heart of the master, you know that she wants you to come, as, as my pet Roman, wants you to come to her and she will give you the desires of your heart safely because she knows your nature, that you like to run and explore. I will give you that, but you have to do it with me. I'm afraid he's going to give me something I don't want. Everything he wants from you, you don't want. You don't want none of the stuff he wants for you. Because you only want what you can control. Because you think that way you're guaranteed to get it. And you're still dumb. You're going to put all your efforts into finding this love. And they're going to break your heart. I tell my teens that all the time. Spending all this time trying to find somebody to love you. And says, I know she's called to be saved. How do I know? Because her mama's saved. And I know because I'm her pastor. Every person she try to love outside of God's will, is going to break her heart. You want to know what I'm praying for her? That her heart is broken. That she never finds comfort or solace outside of the will of God. Now, I love her. And as she said to me, Pastor, if I do something against God's will, you going to stop loving me? I said, absolutely not. I'll probably be nicer to you all the more because you're about to go to hell. You want to go to the movies? Let's go, because, you know, you need to enjoy this while you can, baby. That's all you got. I'm just using Kayla as an example, but the rest of y'all is very true. I can use her because I know her and love her. I can't use y'all. Y'all a little suspect. Looking, looking, looking at me with them evil eyes. What am I supposed to do with that? As much as Satan is near me and around me plotting attacks, he absolutely positively knows that I know I have authority. 
And the only reason I permit his presence is because you are so attached to him that you can't tell the difference between you and him. So if I cast him out, you'll feel like I'm talking down to you. I'm rebuking you. I'm hurting your feelings. So now I got to sit here in his presence so you won't have to feel uneasy. But if he move wrong, you and him is going down. That's what happened because people be moving wrong. You move wrong, I will body slam you and him. Poof. <laughs> That's why I don't even like coming to church, mm -hmm, says the demon. He ain't supposed to like it. He's not. We were driving to church today. And they were, you know, we were chit-chatting a little bit. You know, the baby wasn't feeling good, Taylor. You know, we just chit-chatting. And um, one, the first we got in the car and the song came on, oh, well, I could feel the anointing on that song. And the rest of them was slop after that. But the first one was good. And I said, I wonder if they know, Lord. I wonder if they know how we roll to church. Like one day, I just want you to open their eyes and let them see how we roll to church. There's a caravan that goes with me. I had a caravan before I started this church when I was coming against uh, the, the, the false gods and, and, and Greekdom. Chariots of fire roll with me. Why? Because I'm anointed by God. I'm like, you just open your eyes one day and let them see. This car ain't a regular car. It's cherubim everywhere. They go before me and they race back. And it almost looks like they're flashes of light flickering because that's how fast they go ahead and come back. And it just looks like flickering, but they're just moving. I said, I don't think they even realize how the kingdom really rolls. How those that are anointed have a power that I don't think they understand. And it's not something we generate. It's something about how the kingdom operates that we belong to. Now, I know what you're saying. I belong to that kingdom. Do you? All right. Reformation, being reformed through the anointing. Mark 6. Mark 6, chapter, chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. Going to get a lot of scriptures. You might want to write them down quickly and then go to them. Mark chapter 6, verse 12 through 13. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This is the point where Jesus had the 12 disciples and he sent the 12 disciples out. And the 12 disciples in Jesus' earthly ministry were supposed to go and cast out demons and anoint people with oil. It was a part of it. Yeah. If you're sick, let me anoint you with oil. If you got a demon, I'm going to cast that out and I'm going to anoint you with oil. An anointing, it, it leaves a mark. It is designed to be a mark. We're going to look at that a little bit more. But ultimately... When you're dealing with demonic forces, whether it's sickness or possession, and the Father delivers you, you're then supposed to be marked. That's good, Pastor. Can you imagine being marked on your forehead 
that you belong to God, and then you take that mark right into Satan's camp and start screwing around. You take it right over to the pits of depression and start and start having thoughts you ain't supposed to have. You just surrender everything because you upset. And you got this big old mark on your head. Every demon in that joint is looking at you like, <laughs> there go another one. I'm telling you, he be losing folk left and right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we get them. Nah, nah, you can have another drink. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, nah, ain't nobody over here going to stop you. Yeah, keep drinking. Nah, 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 you want another girlfriend and you're a girl? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Nah, nah, ain't nobody going to judge you over here. And they know you marked. Jesus. You are a laughing stock of every demonic spirit. And you don't even care. Where is your dignity? Those that know God. Where's your, you have no dignity. It's okay if you ain't got no confidence in you. You know, a little, little insecure, little I don't have no self-confidence. That's fine. Nobody care about your self-confidence. But you should at least have confidence in God. Amen. You're walking around here looking. Anybody ever had an enemy in your mind? I've had enemies in my mind. If one of my best friends and they, my enemies notice my best friend decide to go to my enemy's party, ain't no way we about to be friends after that. You must play me like a fool. Yeah, yeah. That's how you look. No, it's cool. I don't even know if I love God like that. It's fine. Uh-uh. Just crazy. And don't get me wrong. I like to party. But I don't ever party so much that I forget I'm a Christian. And every demon in that place know, oh, nope, 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 nope. And I see him. Hey, Shardy, what your name is? <laughs> I was like, Alexis. <laughs> that ain't my real name. Oh, let me, let me get your number. Okay, well, for what? I want to get to know you. Okay. All right, you're pretty decent looking. <laughs> Literally, this is what I told him. What do you do for a living? One guy said, I'm a spiritualist. I said, bro, this ain't hardly going to work. I knew that's why I was attracted to you. Uh-huh. And that's why I'm repulsed by you. I get it. I get it. I respect that. You respect the idea that I know the value of the anointing of God. I carry something that the Lord wants you to carry, but you blind. Don't you want to know what he wants you to carry and what it's for? It's this thing that when I step in a room, every demon is on notice. They start skirming around. You know how I know? Because when I come in, the ones that they with, they be like, Or those are the ones I always go for. They be like, mm. I be like, hey, baby, how you doing? They be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and when I win them over, because I always do. They be like, I knew it was something about you. You know, I just love how you, I just like you got a good energy. You know, I just love your energy. Yeah. I don't, I don't even let Satan 
make us enemies. I show him that I could win by the love of God, even your closest ally. I love it. Could you take my babies? I'm going to come over here and threaten to take yours too. And I do. Because what people want more than anything else is love. Let's go to uh, John, 1 John. 1 John. That's 1 John, not St. John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. We talked about on last week. You are the specific generation that is beginning to bring in the last harvest. You're, you're that generation. All the stuff we looked at in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, and now we're going to look again and in 2024, coupled with the Israel fight, you are, and it's doing exactly what we said it was going to do if this is the war that precedes the last days, the book of Revelations. Every week we showed before it happened that if this is the case, then Israel will do this, right? First, they'll take Golan Heights, right? Golan Heights showed up. Then they're going to have to deal with uh, uh, Lebanon. Then Lebanon showed up. Then they're have to going to get a Hebron. Then Hebron showed up. Every time, every week before they attacked, we knew. And now with the recent attack on Lebanon, we said that three weeks ago. We said, if this is the war that initiates the book of Revelation so that Jerusalem, all of Israel has to have their land in order for Christ to come back, especially the city of Jerusalem, because right now it's separated in four quadrants, right? So Israel has to take over all of that. Then they're going to need, in order for the prophecy to be fulfilled, they're going to need the, uh, the, uh, the southern border of Lebanon. Why? Because that's the Manasseh's second half tribe. And just like that, Israel's asking for more weapons and funding to attack the south border of Lebanon. You are born in a generation that is called by God to usher in the last generation of saints. My babies, the children here, will more than likely be the ones that are going to preach the gospel to those that get left behind on the rapture. If it ain't us, it's going to be them. It's been statistically proven by 2045, the world we know right now will look completely different. You never thought we'd have the internet. Some of us that was older before the internet got here. <laughs> Computers was one thing, but now internet, what the world? I'm, I'm video calling people, not attached to nothing. I see you, you see me. We was weirded out by the fax machine. <gasps> I got the paper. Right. So exciting. <laughs> that was just an instant digital thing. Send, I, ha I have the email. <laughs> no dial up. <laughs> we said the coupling of quantum uh, 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 energy the, the, the thing that has caused, uh, where they have now unlimited energy sources, you're going to see that in the next 10 to 15 years. You take an unlimited amount of energy, it's all humans need. How would our world look if energy was never a problem? That was discovered this year in a way that it's profitable. 
That means everybody has power, electricity, not oil, something that never runs out because it comes from the air. You take artificial intelligence and couple that with unlimited energy, like electricity. In two decades, this world is going to look like something we've never seen before. You were born in that generation. What a gift that God chose you specifically, that you have what he wanted to use and what he wants to anoint to help feed the generation that will help the generation that misses the rapture. You over here playing. <laughs> we are the titans of the last age. At the end of the game, you don't call in the scrubs. You call in the ones that can make the plays. That's why you've been going through so much. That's why you had such a horrible time, a horrible past, a horrible life, because you had to be strong. He didn't mind that challenge coming to your life because you had to be strong. Your faith had to be strong. Your surrender had to be strong. Some of you can go through Hades and high water. You've done it all your life. Now he says, now do it for me and do it for the kingdom of God. And you're so reluctant. That pain in your life wasn't designed for nothing. It was permitted by God and is sometimes structured by God because the harvest that we need are those of the lesbian and gay community. That's where they're at. It ain't just atheists. It's people that are trapped. Yeah. And you over here worried about your shameful testimony. Well, I'm telling you, we need you. We need you. Your silly self. You're called to be a prophet. Any person that's ever dealt with same-sex attraction, there are different levels to that. Different ways you get in, different ways you got out, how long you stay, what you do, what kind of stuff you're into. Each person has to be ministered to specifically. Now hear me. There's not one blanket sermon any preacher can preach that will deliver every person that's dealing with homosexuality free. It doesn't work that way because love and your flesh intertwines in so many areas of your personhood that snatching it out is not going to work. Because you'll pull up some things that you ain't got no business pulling up that need to stay. So it has to be hand untied. Every knot delicately untied and it takes patience it's one of me delivering how many people we got in that workshop about eight each individual distinct and in how they got there and how they're getting out each one why because in those pews that you're sitting in we're going to need people ministers, prophets that are not up here preaching but are sitting beside someone that they're discipling and walking with them every time they run, that person goes chasing them. Every time they run some more, they go chasing them again and they're persistent on it because they had it happen to them. Your running doesn't bother me. I know why you're hard-headed. I'm determined to believe by God 
because when you have to deliver someone that's hard-headed, you'll be able to do it. Amen. Somebody where the whole life is wrapped up in drugs and sex that they can't get it untied, that you'll be able to handle it. Where do you think the harvest is coming from? With your intellectual self. Nothing traps a human more than the idea of love. Nothing. Nothing. And everybody's out looking for it. Trying to make enough money in order to get it, to buy it, to look like they're worthy of it. Trying to get the stomach stuck in and the butt pulled out and everything else in order to say, I'm worthy of this, give me some love. Everybody is looking for it and most get trapped trying to find it. But you are those called by God to pour it into them. But you too busy worried about you, worried about how you gonna preach. I ain't seen you do it on the pew yet. I had disciples long before I preached my first message. Disciples. You worried about a message. I'm worried about what the people you done set, you done brought to God. Because they should be following you. You should be bringing them to church. But you want to be a preacher. Man, sit down. You, what you want is fame. I know you ain't going to admit it, but it's the truth. You want fame. And the only reason, now those of you that I don't want no fame, it ain't really because you ain't called. You don't want no fame because you don't want to be held accountable. Don't put me up there because then people are going to be judging me. Exactly. As they should. Children, it is the last hour. That's as far as I got. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. This is way back then. It's way back then. And now we are here. Like for real, for real. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. I'm going to read that again. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Why? Because they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have done what? Continued with us. There is a sifting that takes place in the body of Christ. While you see Jesus on the cross saying, oh, I'll take everything. I'm looking at you going, are you going to continue with us or are you going to quit? Because that's what determines whether you've really been called by God. That's why I tell people that are struggling with sin, just struggle. Struggle. Just keep coming to church. Keep loving God. Every time you get to the altar, go to the altar. Cry it out. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. The more they struggle, the more I just say, don't quit. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. Because the race is not given to the strong, nor to the swift, but to the what? To the one that endures. Satan desires to sift you like wheat. To say, they don't belong in your kingdom. Nah, not her. Nah, not him. He's trying to prove it. You over there just giving him the tools. Well, you know, I did deal with this when I was younger. And, you know, when I was, when I was five, this happened to me. And, you know, I never did know my daddy. And this, you could use this one, too. You're just giving them all the doggone tools. I'm like, hey, you are a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, now I do a new thing. What are you doing? Stop giving him tools to beat you upside your head with. 
I don't know where this is coming from. This is not supposed to be. Lord, help us. I can't help but there's something in here today. If you feel like I'm calling you out, I am. Because this is not where I was supposed to be going with this message. All hidden sins need to be confessed. You can't sit in the house of God and hide sins of Satan. Do you know where you're sitting? I'm going to show it to you. You don't, you don't, you don't be knowing. I'm here to get there. Okay, but you have been anointed. <laughs> but they went out that it might become plain they, that, that they all are not of us. He's going to make sure you leave so it can be plain that you are not a part of the kingdom because everybody keeps getting confused. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, underline anointed, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. You think you've been anointed. People are like, Pastor, should I, is it okay if I, you already know the answer. How do you know? Because you know what I'm about to say. Which is probably why you ain't asked me in the first place. Because you, you have an anointing and you know the truth. You know you shouldn't do it even though it's not a sin. You know you shouldn't say it even though it's not a sin. You know you shouldn't go there even though it's not a sin. You know you need to repent even though it wasn't a sin. You know the truth. I'm talking to you, the one that was anointed by God, the ones that know better. That's who he's challenging. You are the marked ones. You know better. What are you doing? If somebody leads you astray in the gospel, it's not because you didn't know the truth. It's because you didn't want to believe it. That's what he's convicting them of, that you love the lie more. Who can love a lie? You. You rather love the lie that I'm not good enough. I messed up too much. I'm not the kind of person that does that kind of stuff. You much rather believe that because that allows you to fulfill your selfish desires. The Lord told you to hold your tongue, but here you go singing too much again. I'm going to skip to it just for time's sake. The anointing of God in the Old Testament was an oil that they were told to make, and it was a very sacred oil. And the oil was designed to be marked, to mark things, okay? It could mark kings, priests, prophets. It could even mark things. The oil of God was designed to mark the actual temple, the tent that Moses erected. To say this is not only set apart for God, but it's something very unique. The anointing is symbolic for this person or this thing is now a bridge from heaven to earth. That's what the anointing's always done. When Jacob was on his bed running from Esau, because he had stole the birthright, remember we talked about that. 
He's, he laid down, put his head on a rock, had a vision. Uh, Jacob's ladder is what they call it, where angels were ascending and descending yeah. above his head. And he woke up and he poured oil on that stone. And he said, this will be the house of God. And God promised that your people, your generation will come back to this and will build the house of the Lord. So what, that place was a bridge between heaven and earth. And it was solidified with a symbolic anointing oil. But it's a bridge. One of the first visions, I only had two visions in my life. But the very first vision, I'll share it with you. My eyes are open. I was in prayer. Had my head bowed. In the vision, oil ran. I didn't know it was oil. I thought it was water. I saw my hair down before me, and, and it ran off the tip of my hair and dropped on a very dry piece of land. And as it spread, I could recognize, oh, that's oil, not water. And the thing cracked. And I woke up. It's just now that I'm realizing what that meant. <laughs> I was this day's old. To be anointed by God is to be one that is considered a bridge between heaven and here. Mm -hmm. That's how that could happen. As evidence of a bridge. Because some of y'all need to know what this role is. That's why sometimes you put, I know if I tell pastor, I think it'd be all right. How many people have ever felt that? Yeah. It's because you've come to a tent, a tabernacle of meeting yeah. that you know is a bridge between you and the Father. Just symbolically. You can come tell me symbolically. It's not that I have any power in of myself. It's that I represent, smeared with the anointing, that you are coming to a place of counsel with God. And you feel like, you'd be like, you know what? I feel so much better. I don't, all she said was, it's going to be all right. And I just like, you know what? It is going to be all right. Because I'm a tabernacle for the Father. Paul says, you be tabernacled with him. He says, you're supposed to be a tabernacle. I'm supposed to run into you and feel like I ran into God. I don't, I don't be feeling like that with, with a lot of y'all. You need to figure out what that is. I feel like I ran into a bunch of mess. Oh, Lord. Are oh, you working on it? Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> the anointing was designed to show that this particular person or thing is now used by God to bring things from heaven to earth. That's why Jesus said, when he asked how to pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. This prayer is so powerful because it identifies that I am the bridge. And he told them that as disciples, if you want to know anything, you should pray. Anything. All things he said. Pray that you are more of everything you're supposed to be. A bridge. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That's why people that are truly saved and in the kingdom cannot practice sin because we're too busy saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Through creeks, through thorns, through bushes, through fire, thy kingdom come. What you feel is an anointing. And if you love Satan, you tremble at the sound of my voice. When you're linked up with him, you hate that. I go, thy kingdom. You hate that. Because your flesh hears the authority. And your spirit feels it. It ain't just me yelling. You feel it in your innermost being. When you don't want to turn over your sin, it makes you so uncomfortable. Why is she always yelling at me? Why can't she just chill sometimes? Because thy will, his will, needs to be done. I'm on your team. I'm praying that the Lord's will is done in your life. And you think I'm against you with your silly self. All I'm saying is, Lord, your will be done in his life. 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 Not yours. Never yours. You're going through too much. Do you understand? Too much. Let him use it. Let him anoint it. I, 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 by the power of God, I've saved souls that I ain't even got no kind of life story with. You know, I went to jail from prison. I, was, I shot a man. Hmm. <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't share no commonality in that way. But an anointing is a bridge. And somebody can feel the power of God and the love of God. Because now Jesus took his disciples and said, my anointing. Now, I'm going to just skip to all of the end. Okay. (laughs) When Jesus was baptized, let me give you some more scriptures so you'll have them in your record. Okay, here we go. Um, Exodus 30 is one on the anointing. um, How it was made, what it was for. All right. Uh, First Samuel is an example of him anointing King David and how the Holy Spirit rushed upon King David after the anointing. That's an example in the Old Testament. Exodus 30, 22 is the one for the anointing oil and what it was used to anoint. Uh, Genesis 28 is your Jacob's ladder story. It's very good. You should read it because some of you keep forgetting that angels and demons are real. I don't know how you keep forgetting that with your silly self. I think you just like to forget it. Like you like to close your eyes on the scary part? Open your eyes. See this demon using your hands. See that demon on your tongue whispering sweet words of nothing to somebody you ain't got no business whispering to. Or even worse, using that tongue kissing stuff you ain't got no business kissing. Sometimes you got to be real because these people be so churched. They don't recognize that that is a demon. And you can't tell because you think it's you. Like you're the one struggling. So this is something wrong with me. And that's how he gets to stay there. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed, baby. If you believe that Christ died for your sins 
and forgives you and raised from the dead, you have no business struggling with anything. All you're doing is overcoming. And when you're overcoming, you enjoy winning. The only time you don't like fighting is when you're losing. Punk say what? Hmm? It's so hard I'm struggling because you're losing. I would hate it too, getting your butt kicked every day. Depression, lust, addiction, just melancholy all the time. You're getting your tail kicked. And you've come to a house of God that can deliver you from that. Amen. How many people in this house have been delivered from depression through Christ in this ministry? Why you still, you ain't got to hold on to that. Do you know who you are in God? Who you're supposed to be? It's not how that works. The problem is you don't know where you start or stop and where Satan begins. That's how cunning he is because he uses your emotions. That's how he gets in. Whether it's good emotion or bad emotion, whether it's anger or love, he uses it. And since that emotion is yours, he attached to it. And now all the thoughts from that you think are yours. But the Bible tells me to know you by the spirit and not by the flesh. So by the spirit, I can say, oh, you're a child of God. He's marked you, baby. Yeah, that ain't you. And every time you fall into sin, that ain't you. You do it, that ain't you. Somebody got to tell you who you ain't, because you're going to end up forgetting over there because you keep running further and further and further. And in a minute, if you can't hear that voice, you stuck. Now nobody's telling you who you are. You know, surrounded yourself with a whole bunch of people that say you like them, and you know you were called for different. You look at their lives, you look at yourself, you go, why am I over here with y'all? But being here is too uncomfortable. But to be honest, being there is also uncomfortable. Because they make you do more than you really want to do. Act in a way you really don't want to act. And then it leads to more problems. Over here, all your discomfort leads to life and health and glory. What you're seeking is the kingdom of God. That's what you want. You want peace in the middle of adversity. That's the kingdom of God. You want the love in the middle of suffering. That's the kingdom of God. You want to feel provided for in the middle of being broke. That's the kingdom of God. Everything you're looking for is over here. Why do you keep running? He's going to walk you right to it. But it has to be one way, and that's his way. Isn't that right, Janiah? Can I use you as an example? Janiah always be thinking she could do something a little bit her way too. Yeah, Pastor, I heard you, but I also thought, what? What? You also thought what? I want to say, where your degree at in the Lord? Really, where is your anointing? Who told you that your thought was his thought? Because last time I checked, your last thought got you stuck. Not her, y'all. You know what I mean? I didn't want to call you out like that, baby. You know. <laughs> now you want to trust your thoughts, but I also feel like it could be done like, who, who, what is wrong with you? You're a child in a war. 
thinking it's a playground. Why everything got to be so hard? Because it's a war. Why everything got to be so difficult? Okay, you're no longer a kid. When you were a kid, we tried to make you feel like this is a playground. You know, in tough times, don't good parents, oh, won't y'all go take that little jump rope and go jump rope over there? Oh no, the electricity not cut off, we just gonna have a quiet night together. <laughs> good parents, when you were a kid, try to take the worst situations and make you feel like it's something fun or something cool. My parents did it all the time. Ooh wee, it's candle night night. <laughs> Ooh wee, it's quick bath time. <laughs> boiling the water that's so fun <laughs> good parents do that but one day you have to grow up yeah, yeah. and recognize you are not on a playground baby this is a battlefield and there are two sides if you ain't on his side you are on the wrong side there's no middle ground middle ground gets you killed check the Gaza Strip we're not the Hamas and we're not Israel you did no offense, may the Lord bless their souls. But it's the truth. Middle ground gets you shot, baby. Israel shot their own people. Mm. Middle grounders. What you doing over there? Why are you in front of us? <laughs> Why are you in front of us? If you're with us, then you're behind the leadership. Cause ain't nobody call your little tail to the front line. You don't even know what you're doing. You get everybody shot. Your friends shot. <laughs> I thought we were just gonna be cool friends. Now that y'all both in the little affair, shot. You don't know what you're doing. I was thought I was ministering to him. Uh, now y'all in the bed, shot. You don't know what you're doing. You have no idea. Get your tail back here and follow leadership. Because everything in God has order. Amen. Everything. You can't go against his system. He has not authorized you to make those types of decisions. But to the anointed, they could pray, and the prayers of the righteous availeth much. My prayers go through because of his anointing. Yeah? That's why I said, whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. To who? The anointed ones. That if I say Kayla is going to be saved, then what's Kayla going to be? Saved. If I say Kayla going to be saved, then what's she going to be, Kayla? Huh? If I say Kayla going to be saved, then what's she going to be? If I say Kayla going to be saved, then what's she going to be? 100%. 100%. In Jesus' name. Because you're too smart. Too pretty. Too much of a leader. All day. All day. Taylor, how's your headache? Huh. On the way here, she said, Pastor, I keep getting these headaches, like 45 seconds long, sharp pains in my head. I feel like I'm about to explode. I'm like, what the world? I'm like, oh, oh, you're just going to be in my, you're just going to be riding. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a blessed car. You wait till I get to the church. I can put my hands on her. I'm driving right now, but you just wait. Got her in my office, put my hands on her, pray, so I go on to church. She fine. She knew when I prayed for her, she was going to feel fine, didn't you? And I knew it too. Done. Done. 
He said, if you're sick, if they're still sick among you, call for the elders. Let them lay hands and anoint with oil. Because both of us believe one thing, that you are here to this bridge of heaven and earth to get that thing met. Amen. That's what we believe. That's how it works. Mother Bell, she was in a coma, but I was still talking to her. I was talking to her in the spirit, shebo, shebo, she. And I went back and told her, you're going to come out of this coma, you're going to be teaching Sunday school. And after a year of rehab and coding three or four times, what is she doing? Teaching, teaching Sunday school. Mama Jean, she just got new to the church. I'm like, this cancer's not under death. She's like, for real? I was like, for real? <laughs> and because she had already went through the diabetes thing, when she came off her insulin and her knees started feeling better and she didn't have to get knee surgery, which she just swore, I didn't know what I was talking about. The doctor said, Pastor, that it's bone on bone. It's bone on bone. I remember that. She was so indignant. She's like, it's bone on bone, Pastor. That can't be solved without eating sugar. I was like, oh, okay. And walked off. Somehow she came in on the day that I was teaching it. She was drawn to it. Three weeks into the program, I don't have no knee brace. I don't need no surgery. That one act was enough faith. So when she had, was diagnosed with cancer, what, a couple months after that? All her numbers were good, and she had the faith to believe that God was going to heal. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think so much of what we say here works? Have you, ever, have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered why so much of the prophecy actually comes to pass? <laughs> Because this is an anointed house of God. It's a bridge for whatever God is doing to be manifested into the earth. Every church is supposed to be that. Every church, every believer is supposed to be the same thing. What have you gotten misaligned in your life where the anointing smeared upon your head is no longer marking you for God? He's supposed to pour his anointing on us. Hold your hands out like that. Okay, yeah. And act like I'm taller than him. Y'all be shorter. And you be shorter than him. You be taller than him. You the big cud. Come on. Okay. It's like three stacks. You still taller than me, though. You got to get lower than me. Okay. And then put your hands a little down a little bit. You put your hands up. It's supposed to go like this. Anointing from the Father. Anointing from me. Anointing to him. Anointing to him. And we just keep pouring it. Everybody just falls in line, pouring the same anointing. Go here, you go. Amen. And they, but I know that's right. That's right. Lord, be that. Amen. Do it, Jesus. I know that's right. Who don't want the anointing? Who doesn't want the ability to change somebody else's life for good? When I met Shantia, I said, "Baby, your life is about to change." She looked at me, and I think she actually believed it. I said, you ain't lying to me about nothing. She said, no, ma'am. I said, you in this for real? She said, yes, ma'am. I said, your life about to change. Your whole family life about to change. Let's level up right now. Let's level up right now. You got the fight. I got the fight. We going to fight together. You do your best. I'm going to do my best. Watch this thing turn around. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. We just pouring. Just pouring. She going to have to do most of the heavy lifting, but she's not alone. That's how it's supposed to go. Who are you pouring the anointing into? Nobody, because you're too busy soaking it up for yourself because you're just so, so greedy. It's not for you. 
your testimony and what you went through is not for your blessings. It's that you could pour that into somebody else. The thing about Christ, and this is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to leave on that. Ooh, I'm over my time by 15 minutes, Jesus. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he had came up out of the water, immediately he saw heaven. The heavens, he immediately he saw the heavens, I love this translation, being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son in who I am well pleased. In other examples of, of the gospels, people kept asking John the Baptist, especially in John chapter one, the Pharisees came to him and said, are you, the, are you a prophet? He said, no. Are you the Christ? He said, no, but there is one amongst us who I don't even, I'm not even worthy enough to untie his shoes. He knew the Messiah, the word Messiah means Christ. The word Christ means the anointed one. All right, check this. Jesus, I wasn't trying to sound cool. It just came out and it was real lame, but I wish I could undo it because I wasn't trying to do that. I'm sorry, let me stay focused. I was really having a good point. All right, focus. Check this. God, every once in a while, you know, the Lord just made me look lame in front of all my friends, you know. Now check this. What is that? What is that? What are you doing? All right. In the Old Testament, the anointing was, the oil was symbolic. But it is the functioning power of the Spirit of God. That's what the anointing is. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth in Genesis. And God spoke and it was done. So the Holy Spirit is the functioning power. All right. The anointing, which is, is we call it a verb as if it's functioning and doing the work. All right. Um, but it is how you describe the Holy Spirit's power and what he does. Right. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was just kind of smeared on stuff, covered on things, right? And you would smear it on it, you know, smear it on that, drizzle it on this, anointed. In the New Testament, they kept asking John the Baptist, are you the Christ? He was like, no. They're saying, are you the anointed one? Are you the one? sent from heaven to be a bridge. Y'all don't want to help me. A Jacob's ladder taking those from earth to heaven, from earth to heaven, and from heaven back down to earth. Are you that one? He said no. So when Jesus shows up, he's not just anointed to do things. He is the anointing. Like he's, he is it. John said he was the word made flesh, and he said, and, he, and, the, and the word dwelt among us. It tabernacled with us. We saw his word, his power. His word is what creates things. We saw life living amongst us, even though he created the very thing he was living, and he lived with us. 
The sum total of all creation lived and walked and we felt him and we touched him. And no one is seeing God, but he is a physical representation of God. He is the anointed one. And then you crucify the anointed one and he allows himself to be crucified. That that anointing like blood and water gushing from his side, the covenant and the baptism gushing pours into you. Crucify me so that now my anointing could be not smeared on top of you. Y'all don't want to help me. Not drizzled on top of you. But now my anointing could be on the inside of you. Now you are pulling kingdom down. You're pulling heaven down. And the will of God here. And I don't mean blessings. I'm pulling down my blessings. No. I'm pulling down the very will of God. From Ms. Deborah's life. I'm pulling it down. I know what's there by the Spirit of God. And now I'm declaring what's going to happen with that thing. It may be that I see it in the future. Or it may be I just said it. And now it is so. Either way, she happy. The idea that it's miraculous is because I don't know her. So if I don't know her and I heard it, and it's true and accurate, then the same power that would give me knowledge that I did not know is the same power that can say, now it shall be. Now it shall be. You declaring stuff. The Bible says, don't ever put the anointing on nobody regular. They say that. Don't anoint any person that's regular. It's for priests, prophets, kings. Are you, if you're regular, you ain't got no anointing. So I literally told me, I just want to be a regular person. I was like, oh, my God. I don't want to be like a, like, so, I mean, I mean, I love God, but I just want to be, like, regular. I'm like, you as dumb as a box of rocks. If you ask me, do you want superpowers, I'll be like, absolutely. Everything about what I just said would be constituted as superpowers. She saw something that wasn't there. She said it before it happened, and then it didn't happen. She saw something in her mind. She read her mind. Superpowers. And, but the thing about God's superpowers is it's not meant for selfish people. You can't use the anointing to bless yourself, which is how the black church keeps getting it confused. You're anointed about God. Call and declare it for yourself. You're so selfish. Declare it for somebody else because your heart is deceptive in all of its ways. Who could know it? I don't declare stuff for me. I declare stuff for his people. I pray somebody praying for me and, you know, give me somebody else anointed. Give me something. If you can't, at least give your tithes and offerings. I'm praying for you. Shut up. Get tithes and offerings. Oh, pastor, I pray for you. Pay. Give. Give money. Prayers. Money. Put it in, in the bucket. Swipey, swipey. Tap, tap now, you know. Cash app, app. You know. Send it to the church. That's the only rule. I serve you. You serve this church. You don't serve me. It's too much focus on me. I serve you. If you want to bless me, bless this house. Amen. Bless this house. Pastor, want me to get you something? No, get it for the house. The house need money? Yes. 
God believe you want to bless me when I see it. Amen. What's pastor love language? Money. Because money. <laughs> money answereth all, all things. Money. Do you know how many other people's problems I answer with the money you give me? I don't want my stuff answered all the time. I want to be able to answer somebody else's. That's the point. The anointing cannot be given to selfish people. A word of knowledge is not given, not kingdom. You can get some fake stuff from Satan. And it's a lot of that. Because Pharaoh had serpents too. You can get a lot of fake stuff from, from Pharaoh and from Satan. But the one for the kingdom is not given to selfish people. It has to be given to selfless individuals who've died to themselves, are more concerned with God and other people than they are for their own livelihood. That will walk through thorns and bushes for the most weak among us who have nothing else to offer but their smiles. And that's all he had. He just sitting there smiling. Such a headache. Do you want to be anointed? Do you want to be a part of God bringing his will on earth? Not for your life, for others. That's the whole shebang here. Is that we're actively trying to find a way to bring his will and to manifest it. That's all we're doing. There are times in service I'm scanning the room to see, Lord, is there anybody you want to bless? That's how Miss Deborah got blessed. Secretly, I had a conversation with the Lord. As soon as I saw her, I said, Lord, please don't let her have a church home. Yeah. I like her a lot. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> well, I ain't shame. I ain't shame. I go after prizes. Hello, somebody. I see gems when I see gems. Hello? I came after you. I was like, ooh, I want that one. Oh, Lord, if nobody else want it, give them to me. Okay, if everybody want it, still give it to me. I'm real good at it, Lord. Please, please, by your spirit, give that soul here. You're like, but I'm broken, busted, and disgusted. I said, all the better. Yes, I love broken, busted, and disgusted. Because they are grateful. They're excited. They're set on fire. They are obedient. You rescue somebody from the fire, they be like, what you say, what you need? Say less, Pastor, I got you. Oh, thank you. Other people that have been around you all the time, like the prodigal son, brother that was in the house, why they get to get every? The anointing is for others to bring the kingdom in. Your job, you're only there so that you could bring the kingdom to that place, to individuals there. That's why you're there. And when your assignment is done, if you're good, you'll get another job. And it'll be better. If you weren't that good, your next job won't be better. It'll be lateral or worse. Amen. It's the truth. Check it. Check your record. When you was over there ministering at that job, your next job leveled you up. When you was like, uh-uh, I don't even like it like that. You know, you was in your little worldly ways for a second, you know, going out getting a smoke break, stuff like that. Stuff you ain't got no business doing. Now your next job, they ain't even pay the same amount, but I guess I got to take it because that's all they got. 
Duh. You are kingdom. That's it. That's your whole shebang. That's the purpose of your breath. The reason for his dying. And then he wants you to live it with power. Isn't that amazing? Standing all over the house. Who wants to be anointed today? Now, you can't come down here if you don't really believe that the spirit of the Lord in you wants you to be a bridge. That means you're going to jump over creeks. You're going to go through thorn bushes. Hello? You're going to get your body ripped up. Whatever it takes to bring your kingdom to somebody else, I want to pour into somebody else's life. Come on, come on, come on. I believe I'm called to pour. Give me, hold on, hold on, hold on, give me, hold on just one second. I might change that just a bit. I want to pour into somebody else. Come on up. If you're up, just come on all the way up, all the way up, all the way up. I want to pour in somebody else's life. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I was in my sleep. <laughs> in the middle of my sleep this last night, I was having a dream, and I was talking to you. And I was saying to you, if you know your enemy's weak spot, punch him. Punch him until he can't stand. Punch him until he's dead. And in my dream, I was punching the side of some enemy. And I woke up doing this. And I had to grab my tablet and write it down so I wouldn't forget it. And I said, Lord, what's the purpose of this? He says, what do you want? I said, I want an army. I want an army of saints that are punching the very ribs of Satan, tearing down his kingdom, pulling out all the saints. I want an army doing your will, oh God. He said, well, preach it. I said, say less. The anointing can't be played with. It's, it's there to help you sacrifice more of you. Where you, you roll in your closet and cry. And then you get up and work. Your whole world falls apart. And then you leave it there and do what you're called to do. The anointing strengthens that in you because everything else is temporal. The anointing says, keep your eyes focused on the supernatural. That's why you're struggling. You're blind most of the time, just trying to figure your, what you figuring out? If you're in the kingdom, you see. He says so. You're blind because you are not operating within the kingdom. When you're in the kingdom, you know exactly the truth, don't you? You do, you ain't confused. You can tell when you're in the kingdom when Satan is present and when it ain't you, you know. You know. It's attaching to the part of your heart that doesn't want to let that go. If you're going to be anointed, you're going to have to determine to let self go. Pray prayers that say, Lord, I don't want to feel like this. Heal me, get up, and be healed. I know this is not healthy for the kingdom. This is not healthy for my family. This is not healthy for my church. Change me. Get up 
and be changed because of the anointing that you might serve in his kingdom more effectively. The harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. I want an army full of people that have been broken down, messed up too many times. I want those rugged folk. Do you understand? Because that's what I had to do. And now we can fight together. Where you're not opposing me. It's a team effort. You know you are here to be trained by me. Through the spirit of the Lord, of course. It's training. All of it. All of it is training. You raising them kids? Training. You holding your tongue? Training. You serving in sickness? Training. You're not freaking out because your bill is due? Training. You studying extra hours? Training. Everything you're doing is training and spiritual development because you need the spiritual stuff that will allow you to serve in the kingdom and to go to heaven because fish got to live in water. You can't live in heaven if you ain't got no heavenly traits. <laughs> 